Chapter One of the Problem Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Problem Club by Barry Payne. The Giraffe Problem. Prefatory note: The general public knows little about the Problem Club. Many are not even aware that it has now been in existence for several years nor can it be said that the references to it which have appeared from time to time in the press have been very enlightening or even reasonably accurate for instance a paragraph in a recent issue of a society paper which it may be admitted is generally well informed makes various statements as to the problem club it says that the club has its premises underground in piccadilly that a former premier is a member of it that all the members are required to swear a most solemn oath to act with scrupulous honour in the monthly competitions and that high play frequently goes on the actual truth is that there are no club premises the famous but old-fashioned restaurant that reserves two rooms on the first floor for the club's monthly meetings is not situated in piccadilly no premier has ever been a member the story of the solemn oath is even more absurd after all the members are gentlemen they would as soon think of taking a solemn oath not to cheat at cards or at golf the scrupulous honour is taken for granted lastly there is no high play in the accepted sense of the term the amount that a member can win or lose in the monthly competitions will be stated presently and any betting on the results is prohibited silly misrepresentations of this kind have caused some annoyance and it is now thought that a discreet but authorised account of some part of the proceedings of the club would be preferable the club consists of twelve members and the annual subscription is one hundred and thirty four pounds of this sum twenty four pounds is allotted to the club expenses including the club dinners which are held on the first saturday in every month each member in turn acts as chairman at one dinner in the year afterwards adjudicating upon the problem competition for that month while at the other eleven meetings he is himself a competitor the remaining one hundred and ten pounds of his subscription being treated as eleven entrance fees of ten pounds each the problems are not of a mathematical nature and were for some time invented and propounded by leonard the ingenious head-waiter of the restaurant the winner receives the whole of the entrance fees amounting to one hundred and ten pounds if there is more than one winner this amount is divided equally between them thus for his investment of one hundred and ten pounds it is possible that a member may in one year obtain a return of one thousand two hundred and ten pounds if he is the sole winner of the eleven competitions for which he is eligible but the minute books of the club show that in actual practice this has never happened indeed the record made by mr pusely smith in nineteen eleven is seven wins and on two occasions out of the seven he had to share the prize with another successful competitor it may be admitted that the club has necessarily been of the nature of a secret society some of the problems set have been rather curious and it has occasionally happened that in the course of their practical solution members have been led to do things which might prejudice them in their domestic or social relations or even subject them to the penalties of the law it is permitted to add an account of some of the pre-war meetings of the club various natural precautions being taken to prevent the discovery of the identity of members it was the forty-third meeting of the problem club dinner was over and the members had adjourned to the lofty and comfortable room where the business of the evening was transacted a side table was suitably equipped with provision for smokers all the members were smokers and for such other refreshments as might be required in the course of the evening one or two waiters still lingered 
removing a coffee cup handing a liqueur or placing an ashtray and matches conveniently on one of the small tables a hum of conversation went on through the blue haze of the cigar smoke mr pusely smith with his usual lugubrious manner was just coming to the end of a screamingly funny story any reference to the competition to be settled is by an unwritten law forbidden until the chairman has opened the proceedings but it was noticeable that major biles was once more talking of resigning his membership he was not taken very seriously he was an original member and though he lived in the country for the greater part of the year had never been known to miss a single meeting of the club his continuous bad luck in the competitions had irritated him but nobody believed in his threat of resignation and it may be doubted if he quite believed in it himself the waiters left the room and sir charles bunford an elderly gentleman of distinguished appearance who was chairman for the evening took his place at his table and arranged his papers among them the club cheque-book showed temptingly in accordance with the club custom by which the chairman at one meeting acted as secretary at the next dr alden took a seat beside sir charles and prepared to make a note of the proceedings for the club minute-book conversation ceased the other members seated themselves informally in a semicircle of easy-chairs there was indeed a marked absence of formality at the problem club there was no order of precedence the chairman did not rise when he spoke nor did members rise when they answered him now gentlemen sir charles began we have before us to-night the giraffe problem i will read it out to you as worded by our esteemed friend leonard it is required to induce a woman who is unaware of your intention to say to you you ought to have been a giraffe now of course i am not a competitor but i must say that i am sorry i am not upon my word i don't think leonard has ever given us anything quite so easy there were several dissentient voices not a bit of it can't agree with you there bunford wish i'd found it so leonard knew what he was doing this time oh very well said sir charles smiling i should have thought there were a score of conversational openings to which the inevitable reply would be you ought to have been a giraffe i may be wrong but i still expect that the price to-night will have to be divided between four or five of you however we'll see what luck you've had i'll begin with you doctor and then we go on in the direction of the sun and the wine dr alden shook his head he had a strong head an alert expression and a bright eye no good he said there was too much to do in harley street this month for me to be able to give the proper time to it i made an attempt it has probably cost me the esteem of an excellent woman these excellent women never think you're serious except when you're joking i gave her the chance to tell me i ought to have been a giraffe but she never took it enough said try the next man the next is our only member of parliament mr harding pope not competing this month said mr pope rather pompously my constituency has made great demands upon me and i am unable to defend my entrance fee fortunately the pleasure of the company in which i find myself is worth far more that's all right said sir charles warningly but don't get too slack we've got a long waiting list what about you major biles my usual luck said the major i worked the whole thing out completely and made all the necessary preparations i was down at my cottage at the time i assure you that during the whole of breakfast one morning i talked about practically nothing except giraffes and the way that they can pull down fruit from a tree thanks to their thundering long necks my wife the children's governess and mrs heber who was stopping with us 
all heard me though i can't say that they seemed particularly interested afterwards my wife and i were in the garden and i pointed to a tree full of ripe cherries i like fruit i said but i hate climbing trees now considering the ground bait that i had been putting down at breakfast i considered the bedding was ten to one that she would reply that i ought to have been a giraffe instead of that she said that wilkins would get them for me and then seemed surprised that i was annoyed a few minutes later i tried the governess with precisely the same remark and she asked me if i would like to have a ladder fetched i often wonder what i paid that woman her salary for then mrs heber came out as dependable a woman as i know in a general way you nearly always know what she's going to say before she says it and i told her that i liked cherries but hated climbing to get them you ought she began and this time i thought i really had got it to be able to reach some of those without climbing after that i gave up no amount of intelligence can contend against luck like that matter of fact i'm tempted to give up this problem business altogether oh don't do that said sir charles soothingly it was hard lines but we shall see you a prize-winner one of these days now mr cunliffe what have you to tell us i failed said the reverend septimus cunliffe an elderly cleric who specialized in broad-mindedness plausible strategy but disappointing results nothing of interest to report did you do any better mr matthews mr matthews was a man of forty bald round-faced rubicund and slightly obese the task of ordering the club dinners and the wines to be drunk therewith was always left in his hands with a confidence which was invariably justified his knowledge as an epicure was considerable and it is possible that his intelligence was less considerable but more than once he had been lucky in a competition he was the richest man in a club where nobody was very poor and was good-tempered and popular well you know said matthews i feel as if i ought to have won this at one time it looked as if i simply had it chucked at me i was talking to lady amelia who does a lot in the east end and is always nosing round for subscriptions why do you men drink she asked in her blunt way the question of this competition occurred to me and it looked like a good chance well i said the pleasure begins in the palate but i fancy that it continues in the throat i often wish i had a longer throat you would have hardly thought she could have missed it but she did said that she was sure i was not so bad as i made myself out to be and milked me of a fiver for some rotten good cause look here said major byles returning from a fruitless visit to the side table i'll ask the chairman for a minute's interval they've not put out any seltzer though they must know that i always take seltzer with mine certainly major certainly would somebody kindly touch the bell the seltzer water was brought and business was resumed your turn next jimmy said sir charles the honourable james felding a rather wary young man said well i claim to be a winner but there's a shade of doubt about it and i'll ask for your ruling all i can say is that if i don't touch the money my luck's even worse than the major's like him i was systematic about it my first step was to buy some of the highest collars that could be got for money two inches or so too high for me and beastly uncomfortable i put one of them on and looked like a bad freak something out of a back number of punch my next step was to call on my married sister she told me to go home and dress myself properly as i knew she would so i asked in my innocent way what was wrong and she said i seemed to have mistaken my neck for the nelson column 
alluding to my collar i said well i like plenty i'd wear a collar three feet high if i could and then my fool of a brother-in-law stuck his oar in and said you ought to have been a giraffe and i'm absolutely certain dora would have said it if he hadn't got in first so there it is the words were all right but they were used by a man still for some purposes bankruptcy and things of that kind a man and his wife count as one don't they what's the ruling my ruling said sir charles is that your claim fails it is required that the word should be used by a woman and your brother-in-law is not a woman yes i was afraid you'd think so said jimmy but it was worth trying anybody want any rotten high collars now mr pusley smith said the chairman mr pusley smith was a man of middle age with dark cavernous eyes and an intellectual forehead he was pale and thin and was less solemn than he seemed i claim to have one he said in a melancholy voice my method was not the most obvious or direct and might easily have failed but the luck was with me i must tell you that i happen to know a mrs magsworth who of late years has given way a good deal to nature study she haunts the zoo and the botanical gardens she understands about the habitat of the hyena and if cockroaches devour their young and which end of the tree the onion grows all that kind of thing she is rather severe with people who as she phrases it show an abysmal ignorance of the simplest facts she has got a face like a horse although that is not germane to the question i arranged with a kindly hostess to let me take in mrs magsworth to dinner one evening i gathered that there was no particular rush for the job i said i'm so glad to meet you again mrs magsworth with your knowledge you will be able to settle a point that has been worrying me for days my little nephew asked me which was the tallest animal and do you know i couldn't be quite sure then mr smith she said you ought to have been a giraffe is much the tallest of the mammals so i claim to have one she being a woman ignorant of my intention was induced to say to me the words required in the order required and without the interpolation of any other word but there's the interpolation of a full stop said mr harding pope and was at once called to order only the chairman has the right to comment and to adjudicate sir charles took a few moments to consider his decision and then gave his ruling as follows my ruling is that mr pusley smith's claim is conditionally allowed it is true that mrs magsworth used other words both before and after the words required but that is not precluded by the terms of the problem the only other possible objection is that there was the interpolation of a full stop now there is no full stop in spoken speech it is represented by a pause in this case the pause indicated the end of a sentence in another case the pause might have indicated that the woman could not for a moment think of the word giraffe in that case i am sure that no objection would have been raised yet there too a sign could be used to represent it in print or writing leonard requires certain words in a certain order but he does not forbid a pause to be made between them unless some member has induced a woman to use the same words with no pause whatever which i should rule to be a still better solution mr pusley smith's claim is allowed as no other member had met with any success at all a cheque for one hundred and ten pounds was drawn to the order of mr pusley smith and handed to him with the congratulations of the chairman the chairman's next duty was to open the sealed envelope containing the problem set by the ingenious leonard for the ensuing month this was entitled the kiss problem 
and when its conditions were read out both major biles and the reverend septimus cunliffe objected to it though on totally different grounds and urged that leonard should be asked to substitute something else however on a vote being taken it was agreed by a considerable majority that the kiss problem should be retained although as the chairman pointed out it looked excessively dangerous mr pusely smith was reminded that it was his turn to be chairman at the next meeting and then the business of the evening being at an end the card tables were brought in and members addressed themselves to bridge at moderate points end of the giraffe problem